Welcome to the Social Pros Podcast, the content marketing awards winner for best marketing podcast. This is where we shine the spotlight on real people doing real work in social media and learn the social secrets of the world's most interesting brands. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your social better. Emma, which provides innovative email marketing tools that drive brilliant results. Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers with integrated solutions for social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. And Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors. With Yext, update your location data once and publish it to your website, apps, over 100 publishers, including Google, Apple Maps, Facebook, Bing, and Yahoo. That's the power of location. That's Yext. Your Social Pros co-hosts are Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud and Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Ready? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined this week again on the microphone by my man. He is my special Texas friend. He is the executive strategist for Salesforce Marketing Cloud. He currently lives in Austin, Texas, but he's very excited about today's guest because he went to the University of Tennessee. Go Vols! It's Mr. Adam Brown. Jay, it is great to be on the show today. It is great to be here as summer begins uh, around the country. And I know those of us who have uh, teenage uh, children, you know, kind of, they're all starting to think about summer jobs. Do you remember your first summer job? And I'm not talking like, you know, cut grass job, but a job where you actually had to wear a uniform and get a paycheck every every week and, and things like that. It, I do. It wasn't just a summer job. It was a year-round job. My first uh, job, I was 15, and I worked at McDonald's, baby. Uh, I, can, uh, I can sling some burgers. Uh, I worked at the busiest McDonald's in the United States, uh, quite literally. So uh, I know how that system works. Man, I did not know that. See, every week we learn interesting things, Jay, about you. Um, my first summer job, my first job, I was 16 years old living in Nashville, Tennessee, and I wanted to go work at a theme park. So I was like, oh, man, this would be great. I'd get to work roller coasters and things like that. So I drive up to this particular theme park. I'm going to save the name just, just for a little bit here. Walk in, and they say, Adam, we'd love to hire you, but you've got to be 18 to uh, work the attractions. But we're going to let you have this job that you're perfect for. It's called an area host. And I was like, oh, wow, that sounds great. I could, you know, and talk to people, help people who are lost, welcome them to the park and things like that. The problem was that area host is simply a euphemism for teenager with pan and broom, sweeping up cigarette butts. Uh, you know, <laughs> You're a host of garbage is what you are. Yeah, and sweeping up you know, powdered sugar from funnel cakes. And let me tell you, oh, uh, powdered sugar does not sweep. But the whole reason for this park's being, which was Opryland, a theme park, was because of what is the longest running radio show in, in America, the Grand Old Opry. And not only just an institution of music and radio, but also really a crowning achievement for any country music or just uh, popular music star. I mean, Alan Jackson, Garth Brooks, Dolly... Um, Blake Shelton, all these people are, are members of the Grand Ole Opry. So it is so cool today 
to uh, to have our guest on because I really feel kind of a a, a connection to uh, to the Grand Ole Opry, to Nashville, and to Music City, USA. Well, I couldn't agree more. Katrina Maddox is joining us today. She is the Senior Director of Digital for the Grand Ole Opry, also one of my favorite clients. She joins us uh, covered in powdered sugar, which is more of a, uh, <laughs> you know, sort of a nod to your past, uh, Adam. Uh, you don't want to be sweeping up powdered sugar in the rain either. I can tell you that firsthand. It's, it's no. a, a sticky business. Katrina, thanks so much for being on the podcast, and thanks so much for not disconnecting the line uh, after after uh, Adam's incredible story about his uh, his previous time uh, at the amusement park, which is no longer part of the big uh, Opry land uh, extravaganza, but I went there as a child as well. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Um, I actually was enjoying the story because I also spent many a summers there at the Opryland theme park. So um, I have actually on my wall here, I have a photograph of the Grizzly River Rampage, which you probably have in your memory um, if you've been there. So um, definitely close to the heart. Well, let's talk about that. We usually do this kind of part of the show in reverse, but you have been with the Opry for a really long time. Like you didn't start off uh, in digital marketing, and every once in a while we get a guest on the show who who sort of grows up, uh, metaphorically speaking, in the business. And you're one of those people. Talk a little bit about your history with the organization. Yes, I I literally grew up with the Opry. Um, I'm actually born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee, and um, that's rather rare these days. Um, so I grew up around the Opry and like I said, Opry Land theme park and just country music in general. So um, it's always been really ingrained in me. And um, I actually started here at the Opry um, while I was going through college um, as a customer service agent, um, working in the box office on the front lines and um, helping all the customers. Um, throughout my college career and then when just before graduating college I had a um, an opening or an, an opportunity present itself to join the marketing team as marketing and sales assistant so it was a perfect job really for someone right out of college to really dive in and get get my feet wet in a little bit of all of their all of the, the marketing aspects and a little bit of sales as well. Quickly realized I did not want to go into sales, but uh, definitely respect what everybody over there does. Um, so um, did that for a few years and then got to see really the social media being born, you know, at the Opry. So, you know, from the very first MySpace page and um, the birth of the YouTube channel back in probably 2007, um, I was a part of kind of growing that. Um, I wasn't in charge of it at the time, but as I grew with the company, I obviously took more interest in that. And then as social media grew, um, I also developed into the very first social media manager um, and also took over all of the email marketing aspects of the digital side. So um, it's been a really exciting um, past, I guess, almost 13 years now that I've been with the Opry. So um, literally started right on the front lines and, and worked my way up. Um, and I couldn't be more excited about where we are today. Uh, that's just extraordinary to think about all the things that you have seen through the 
prism of a single brand. It's amazing. Let's let's rewind the clock a little bit, and this is how we usually start the show, but I wanted to get your background in there because it's so unusual. And as Adam mentioned, the Opry is the longest-running radio show in the country, but it's so much more than a radio show. It's a it's an event venue. It's a it's a concert show. It's uh, there's a mall next door. There's an enormous hotel. Uh, tell everybody kind of what the Opry is today in modern times, and a little bit of the history for folks who aren't country fans. Sure, absolutely. Yes, it is the world's longest-running radio show. It actually has been around and been broadcast live on the radio for the past 90 years, um, started back in 1925. So um, definitely has evolved um, quite a bit over the years, um, starting in a actually an insurance building downtown Nashville um, and as a, a just a radio broadcast with um, country music instrumentalists. And then it just continued to grow from there and um, outgrowing venue after venue, um, moving into the historic Ryman Auditorium downtown, um, still as a radio show and bringing out some of the biggest stars to ever um, grace country music, um, including your Hank Williams and Patsy Cline and all of those folks. So it continued to grow. And then the Opryland complex that we were speaking of earlier, um, kind of developed after the, it outgrew the Ryman and we decided it really needs a permanent home. So I say we as if I, I had made that decision back in 1974. <laughs> Obviously that wasn't me, but um, because the Opry is such a family atmosphere, I always feel like it's, it's always a we. Um, so anyway, we moved out to the Opryland complex in 1974 um, to the venue it is in today. Um, called that home for obviously 40 years um, and now we are not only live on the radio but we're also um, broadcast on the Opry's mobile app, Opry's, um, Opry.com every week and um, we've blown even past that and have pretty much a show beyond the show with our social media aspects. So uh, a lot of growth and development over the years, um, but definitely a pinnacle for all country music um, artists and fans. Um, it's definitely something that people want to travel from all over the world to see um, people, you know, save up their whole lives. And it's really great to hear some of those stories that people save up their whole lives to come and, and see this, this show that made country music famous, as we call it. Um, and then same for the, the art. Artists, you know, over the years, um, all of the artists have just really had a goal in mind to stand on that stage that mo their heroes have performed on and, um, you know, walk in their footsteps. And it's just, it's still today, after 90 years, just as special to those people that are performing today as it was for those people, you know, 90 years ago. So. It's sort of like the career validation for a country artist, right? Once you're invited to play the Opry, that, that's sort of the signal that, that yeah. you've made it. Uh, Adam and I feel like that's the Absolutely. same thing for social media managers, right? It's kind of the same deal. This, this, this is, social prose is like playing the Opry for our very small universe of people, right? That's how it goes. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah, there you yeah go. It's, it's kind of like the kickoff of the artist's careers is when, um, not the kickoff, but, but when they've reached a certain level in their career they are able to make their Opry debut and then from there they are striving to become an actual Opry member and Opry membership is something that a lot of people um, 
strive to, to um, achieve, and it's 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 not exactly like a Hall of Fame membership. It is um, a member of this this family, this cast of of, of performers that um, you know, like the most recent artist that we have inducted is Little Big Town, and and recently we have Carrie Underwood and and Brad Paisley, and all of the big names in country music are are actual members of the Opry. So they come through and play whenever they have a chance or whenever they're in town, and it's really really great to have them and and. Um, if you hear any of them talk about the Grand Ole Opry, you can just tell how much it means to them. And it's it's unlike any other playing any other venue. Um, it's more it's more like home, and it really truly is a family atmosphere. And you could see anyone from those superstar artists to the new up and coming artists, and even the legends that have paved the way for those artists as well. So all on one show. One of the neat things that that you have at your disposal, you and your team, is that you've got you know three or four shows a week uh, at, at your place, um, different episodes of the Grand Ole Opry, each with multiple artists on the bill. So lots of chances to create social content, and you do a ton of that. And and you're also using a lot of different channels. I mean, you're you're essentially uh, everywhere. You've got a presence in every channel. How do you? How do you go about doing that? You sort of think about, all right, tonight's lineup is X, Y, and Z. We should be heavier on Twitter tonight or heavier on Snapchat or heavier on Instagram, or we should do some behind-the-scenes stuff. How, how do you kind of think through your channel deployment on a per-show basis? Yeah, it definitely takes a lot of planning and programming. Um, I actually feel like we're almost programming a show outside of the actual show that happens on the stage a lot of times. So, you know, we definitely look at who's coming up and who's active on social media, who we need to reach out to. We've, we've done a lot of, um, fairly recently over the past year, we've done a lot of artist takeovers on our social channels. And those have been extremely successful for us because really one of the, um, the biggest goals in social media for us is, is really to reach that younger demographic, the, the people who have not necessarily grown up listening to the Grand Ole Opry on the radio or watching it on TV um, with their parents or grandparents. Um, so that has always been a goal of ours, and social media has made that become a reality. Um, and so these social takeovers that we've started doing on any given night have has really helped us to um, capitalize on the artists being feeling at home and feeling and being open to kind of show that personal side of themselves. Um, so we kind of feel out the artists and see what they would prefer um, and what they are active on and, and what they feel most comfortable with. And we hand over the reins to them, so to speak, um, and just kind of let them show their night at the Opry and what is important to them um, throughout their whole experience backstage. And that just really gives a, and, and even cover some of their onstage performance. So it gives a really a, a full circle view of the Opry experience and just creates excitement for fans that are watching and, and following along um, from wherever they may be. Do you have to sort of give them some guidance and training on on how to do that takeover well, or do you sort of do it the other way and say we're only going to ask artists to do a takeover who have demonstrated some sort of aptitude with Instagram or Snapchat or Facebook Live, etc.? 
Yeah, I think I think part of the part of the fun part of planning these things is is really trying to get the people that you wouldn't expect um, to be on certain channels. So, like for instance, um, Lauren Elena was, is one of my favorite examples for Snapchat. We had her take over. She, she actually was one of the first ones to ever take over the Opry Snapchat, and it was really exciting because she is just the perfect demographic, perfect personality to do that kind of thing. And so we did not need to really train her because I feel like she was familiar with it, um, but she just took it and ran with it and just really showed her personality and had so much fun just running the halls and taking selfies with people. And she actually started doing prom poses with some of the older um, artists on the show, like the Riders in the Sky and, and certain people. So it was, it was extremely entertaining. And um, she ended it by saying, this was so much fun. I think I'm going to get my own Snapchat. So, you know, in that case, we actually inspired her to get her own and launch her own. Awesome. Yeah. So, so stuff like that. And then recently we actually had, it wasn't a full on takeover, but we definitely were excited to have Loretta Lynn appear on the Opry Snapchat. That was one of the things that we are taking the most pride in just because, you know, Loretta Lynn is obviously a legend in country music, and and that was probably the first time she and obviously heard of did not grow up with Snapchat. Yeah, I was going to say that probably was not no. in her wheelhouse before she met you. Not at all. Not at all. So she, so I'm I'm not entirely sure that she knew what was what we were trying to get her to do, but she was a good sport about it, and and it was really fun. So. Um, hope to do a lot more. Well, and, that's that. a, so, and that's a credit. That's a credit to you and your team too, because we get people like that who, who are huge stars. Uh, one thing that's interesting about the Opry having spent a little time there uh, with you is that it really is a family. Like you know, Katrina mentioned that, but that's that's not just like marketing speak. It's a real interesting. Uh, group there behind the scenes where everybody really does get along and there's no attitude even though we get these huge stars roaming the halls like nobody really plays that card which is really quite refreshing um, it's almost like hockey players right they always say the hockey players are the most approachable athletes and uh, in my experience that's true but but country stars are the most approachable of the musicians for sure but you have a really great way Katrina of making that happen like everybody there loves you and a lot of these artists know you and more importantly they trust you because you've never done them wrong right that you've never sort of made somebody look foolish or, or, or made them feel like they're not cool enough or uh, plus you've been there so long that, that people really feel like, you know, that it's okay and they'll put themselves. I mean, for somebody like Loretta Lynn, who is, like you said, a massive star for 50 years to say, hey, I'm just going to let this person, like, you know, put me on video live stream to the world. I mean, that's that's really something. Yeah, that's actually one of the things that we strive to do um, with our backstage experience in general is it's always about making the artists feel at home and not having a lot of people back there bugging them and, and you know, trying to get autographs and, and, you know, hanging outside their dressing rooms. I mean, there it really is a, a fun and, and comfortable atmosphere backstage. So that also helps us. But yes, um, we've built great relationships with these artists and because we have, you know, three or four shows three or four nights a week um, with anywhere from eight to 12 or 13 entertainers on every show, we do try to build those relationships and interact with the artists on a regular basis just so that, you know, we do have that trust and they realize that we're not going to put anything out there that shows them in a negative light or, you know, we're, we'll, if they want to approve everything that goes out, we'll definitely make that happen. Um, but it's definitely a more relaxed 
atmosphere because of those relationships we've built over the years. I'm going to ask you one more, then have Adam jump in, in here. Uh, one of the things I know that's a little bit of a, a challenge, or at least kind of uncertain waters for you, is now with the rise of live video, whether it's Periscope or Facebook uh, Live or anything along those lines, there's such an amazing treasure trove of things that you could do, because again, you're doing three or four, what, two-hour shows a week, uh, with you know 15 artists, you know every couple of nights. We need a lot of a lot of content there, but now some of the artist representation, right? Their their agents and managers and record labels are like, well, hey, wait a second, we don't necessarily want you to live stream our folks. Uh, where does that stand, and 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 how does that impact your job day to day? So it definitely is a challenge because every artist and every artist team is different, and they have different policies and different concerns about the social media, especially on the live streaming side. So, um, you know, with, with performance footage, there's always that question of, you know, what kinds of, of rights do you need to stream these kinds of performances? And, um, you know, a lot of times it is, you know, since it's such a new medium, um, a lot of times they're, they're thinking, you know, as long as it is, out there for you know a limited amount of time or you know we'll be flexible with what they want sometimes people will allow it to happen and allow us to do full performances backstage and stream it live but then they may only want it to stay up for a certain amount of time that's easy for us to do we are very flexible and we cater to whatever they really want us to, to do with their artists. And, and sometimes they prefer not to do any performances. And, you know, obviously music is, is one of the biggest, um, best performing uh, types of live streams for us. But um, we have actually gotten really creative lately and, and tried to come up with some ideas that go beyond the performance and, and find out ways we can really dive into some outside-of-the-box ideas and, and get the artists showing their personality and interacting, you know, a couple of artists that wouldn't normally be backstage together or, you know, sharing the stage, showing that, you know, this is happening backstage at the Opry on a regular basis, and, and they love to have fun. So most recently we did a Facebook live stream with a couple of artists. I'm, I'm not sure if you are familiar, but uh, Craig Morgan and Dustin Lynch, um, to one of one of which Craig is an Opry member, um, and Dustin Lynch is a newer artist who is really topping the charts. And actually, his single is at the top of the charts currently. So, um, just getting them together, and we pitched them an idea to do <laughs> an archery tournament type thing backstage, and we streamed it live on the Opry's Facebook page. So you're, I'm sure you're like you're wondering. What does that have to do with anything the Opry stands for? But really, it was more about um, showing a fun side of the Opry and showing that, you know, things like this happen backstage, be, you know, beyond just them going out, playing a song or two, and then going back to their buses or whatever it may be. Um, we really created a fun atmosphere for them, and, and it's kind of spawned into an idea that we're thinking about launching into a series. So. Just, just little things like that and, and having artists interview each other and um, just really showing um, that, you know, we can do fun things beyond performance footage and because and, we have plenty of that going on at the Opry on any given time. And we have, you know, our YouTube channel is full of um, high-quality performance footage from the stage. 
But for our, our live streams, we really want to keep that to something you can't get anywhere else. See, I love that, that, that kind of truly genuine, authentic content of showing uh, these, in some cases, superstars, country music superstars, doing things like you wouldn't expect it. And I really think that's one of the benefits of social is that it has that kind of personal uh, kind of feel to it. So, so kudos to you for trying those things. And I can only imagine, you know, these, these, these stars, because you're exactly right, growing up in Nashville and, and having the opportunity to, uh, to, to know and, and live close to a lot of country music stars, they are some of the most humble and genuine people on earth and and Jay, I love your 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 kind of analogy to to hockey hockey players because I think that's that's perfect. Katrina Maddox, senior digital marketing manager. Um, I tell you, Katrina, I think you probably have one of the greatest jobs in the world um, because of what you do and the the opportunity you have to work with with so many uh, great celebrities. I have a question that you know kind of for you that I think some of our listeners may be interested in. You know most. Most social pros have to deal with tweeting about events and special occasions. It's kind of a small part of their content mix. But for you, it's just about everything you do. Almost everything you do is about the event or the actual event itself. So I'm curious if you've got any tips for our listeners on how to handle kind of event promotions better. I mean, is there anything you've kind of learned around timing, you know, the number of pre and post posts versus, you know, actually during the actual event itself? Yeah, I like to call that bookending when you kind of take like a, a three-hour show, but you can make it, you know, take a day or two of, of, of content. You know, what, what works better? And, and have you learned any kind of insights in, in your years there really truly starting social media at the Grand Ole Opry? Yeah, we actually, um, as for Twitter specifically, um, we definitely try and use a variety of different types of content to promote our shows. So when we're looking at pre-promoting any given show, you know, we're putting out um, more of the, the pre-made images that are promoting, you know, who's coming up this weekend um, and making sure that we're getting that out there. And we're also providing the each of the artists who are on social media or on Twitter um, with the tools that they need in order to promote the fact that they're going to be performing at the Opry this weekend. And, you know, we'll, we'll send them little uh, social media kits, actually, that makes it extremely easy for them to share. So we make a, a dedicated image for them that is optimized for socials um, and then um, links for tracking and and even sample posts in some cases. A lot of the artists that we send these to now, it's kind of turnkey. They know what to expect, and we don't even have to give suggested copy anymore. We just send them the image, and they know what to do with it. So um, making it as easy as possible to activate those artists and, and get them sharing um, because, you know, they have a lot of things on their plate as well, but we want the Opry to be in the mix. So making it as easy as copying and pasting or, you know, just make, making that image so they don't even have to think about it. They just share it, and it's. I think that really does uh, work wonders. So for us specifically, uh, that kind of helps us to expand our footprint and to make sure that we're reaching people beyond the people following the Opry. Um, and we will post a few pre-promotion images, and then um, when we get closer into the date, we actually, depending on what we have going on for social media, if we have any any takeovers or, or whatnot, we also will share information on those. So we have really great, we have our design department is amazing, so we I have to give them some kudos for that. But 
Um, if you look at any of our social channels, you'll see a lot of really awesome designed graphics um, that we put out there to promote anything that we're doing, not only with the show, but on social media so that people know what to expect. And, and we are able to push people there and, and have them you know, follow us ahead of time. So um, in addition to that, when, when it comes down to the actual show itself, the live tweeting is one of the things we do. I would say we don't we don't necessarily live tweet every show just because that's a lot of stuff to I mean four nights a week and a lot of different artists that it could get a little overwhelming. Awesome. So we usually yeah. do yeah, we usually do one or two a week depending on who's on and you know who's who, if we know that there's gonna be some artists who are really great with social media and that, you know, will really activate the followers that um so, also something we look at, but um, Twitter is definitely one that we can tweet. We can send out a lot more content. You know, we can provide those live updates um, on every artist and then, you know, back behind the scenes as well. We, we offer little highlights as much as we can. Um, we also have done things like um, tweet your seat numbers and come backstage to meet one of the artists. And, and it's a really great way to um, also entertain the the end show audience um, as well and kind of get them involved in social media. Um, so for the, to answer your question on the live tweeting side, um, we usually would put out, mostly it's, it's most of the content we share during shows is, is definitely photo and video clip heavy. Um, we've started to use Periscope as a way to really expand that even further and we tried to every once in a while grab an artist backstage and have them either jamming out in their dressing room because that pretty much happens every night at the opera. You'll, especially in the bluegrass room, <laughs> um, you'll always pass that room and see a group of people just jamming out, and it's just it's too tempting to walk by that room and not capture something because I mean it's it's a social media goldmine back there. So um, anyway, but that's that's we are sharing everything on Twitter and then we pick cherry pick a few images to share on our Instagram channels as well um, at most shows. I can only imagine just the the, the spirit and the, the creativity that's that's happening backstage, as you said, kind of in those rooms as people are jamming as they are either just come off of off, off stage of the Grand Ole Opry stage or or going back on. That that's gotta be really really exciting. One of the things, Katrina, you mentioned earlier was, you know, the app and the evolution of how people are able to, to listen to the Grand Ole Opry. And I had kind of two questions around that. And one is, you know, do you guys look at kind of how many people are actually watching or listening to the Grand Ole Opry live versus kind of time shifting it now? And and is there a, is there a distinction in, in how people are are uh, kind of engaging and participating with the content? In other words, you know, are they listening to the show perhaps on their app and then they're actually tweeting back and forth at the same time, or you know, are they listening to the Saturday night show maybe on on Sunday afternoons or or even you know some other time? Um, it's definitely mostly live. So we see a lot of people tweeting, um, especially when we we kind of ask them to. Um, we say you know tweet us and tell us where you're listening from. And it's amazing to see that people are literally listening from all over the world. Um, I love to see that, you know, from Australia, from a lot of people from Canada. Um, we have a, a very passionate audience in Canada um, and just really all over the world. It's really fun to see 
people saying, I'm listening to so-and-so on the Opry. I stayed up till three in the morning here. And it's just, it really is like, it's, it's, it's humbling even just to be a part of, of that sometimes. So yeah, we'll see. I would say a lot of, we do archive our shows, um, the audio of our shows on um, our WSMonline.com, which is our, our radio station's website. Um, but most of what we do is really promote the live show itself. Got it. And, and to that point, how do you balance, in, in your case, you know, you've got the, the, the sponsors of the Grand Ole Opry. I mean, it's like Cracker Barrel and Dollar General, if I, if I remember correctly. You know, and you're also you know, trying to, to sell seats and, and bring you know, guests actually to, to Nashville to sit there in, in the audience. How do you kind of balance kind of those, those two business aspects of the program? Yeah, so everything we do is to sell tickets to our show. So it's, it's kind of a, um, it, it's a good, it's a good challenge to have, but we have a very local product, which is kind of unique um, because, you know, you have to actually be in Nashville to purchase a ticket to the show. Um, but our product is really global because you can consume it in so many different ways. Um, but in all that we do, um, Selling tickets is number one for sure. Um, we do have sponsors that um, you mentioned, and you got them exactly right. And we have um, a couple of others as well. Um, but if you've ever been to the Grand Ole Opry or if you've ever listened, it, it still is a live radio show. So those sponsors do get, just like on your podcast here, we have commercial breaks between acts that will where we give um, a shout out to our sponsors or we're promoting something that they have going on. Or um, we've actually ended up um, trying some things that you may see at a hockey game. You know, instead of always having the live commercial reads, we've actually started to incorporate games that not only add value to our sponsors, but also keep the, the live audience entertained, live and listening audience entertained. So, um, it's it's really it's it's funny to to see uh, people that have been that have never been to the Opry come and experience it because you, it's, at first it's kind of shocking to you know have a, a commercial read in the middle of a concert but then once you understand that it's this this live radio show that you're being a part of and it's being broadcast across the world it's it's really kind of a, a, a unique experience and people tend to love it. It really is, and and I have to, you know, as as a Nash former Nashvilleian, and and growing up, and even since since leaving and going back, have had an opportunity to go to a couple of Grand Ole Opry's, both at, at the Grand Ole Opry House and as well as the Ryman, where you guys do your show in the in the winter, and it's just it's just a phenomenal experience, and there's nothing else else like it. So I would recommend any listeners going to Nashville to to try that out. I've got one more question before we take uh, take the, and go to the segue that, that Katrina you set up perfectly, which is our commercials from uh, from Jay, and that is around something important that's a very close tie-in to uh, to your role in the Grand Ole Opry that happened on uh, broadcast television last week, and that was the season or we think maybe season finale finale of the ABC show Nashville and I know your operation and your organization was very much entwined in the uh, in the show Nashville and love to hear a little bit more about that especially as it relates to social media and would also love to hear if you have any ideas on whether the show is going to be picked up somewhere else uh, the uh, the season finale cliffhanger certainly uh, made you think so Yes, it did, and we are all very um, optimistic that 
something or someone will pick it up and uh, take it to their network because we obviously do not want to see the show go. Um, we have had a very active role in, in helping to promote that show because um, it has been such a good thing for the city of Nashville and just um, the, the cast that, you know, is a part of the show is they're also extremely talented musicians. And, you know, a lot of shows, they are all actors and it's, you know, not necessarily them actually singing or it's, you know, a lot of auto-tune and things like that. But these people are actually extremely talented and they appear on the Grand Ole Opry fairly regularly. Um, Charles Eston, uh, who plays Deacon, is actually coming up very soon. Um, on uh, He's going to be a part of our show on June 7th, and he was just here last week as well. So they all absolutely love the Opry, and, and they have really kind of become part of our family. A lot of them you'll see backstage just hanging out and just taking it all in. So they're all very passionate about the music and about the city of Nashville, which is really unique. Um, I wouldn't imagine that there are many shows out there that um, – that have that, but um, just as far as our um, involvement with the social media aspects, we have really worked closely with their teams to um, promote on a regular basis. We, all, we are constantly live streaming the show, uh, live sorry, live meeting the show. Um, but we've also recently had the opportunity to go out on the road when they had their U.S. tour recently, um, their actual concert tour, and we. We're able to do a few uh, Facebook lives from the Opera Music account on the road with the cast of Nashville, and so that was really, really fun and, and a really great way to kind of expand the Opry beyond beyond the city of Nashville and just show that you know there is much more to our brand than just this this show here in Nashville. You know, everybody is passionate about it, and in Nashville, anything that's important to the city of Nashville is obviously important to us. Um, so we've had, we've been very blessed to, to have an active role in, in helping those guys out and, and they're so great to us and great to work with. So we hope, hope, hope that someone will pick up that show because, um, they are, I mean, it's, it's unique. What other show can go on a concert tour and sell albums and, and all of those things. And, and even go on their own individual t artist tours. Um, I know that the girl that plays Scarlet, one of the characters, is actually on tour in Australia as well. So it's it's really a unique show that um, has is deeply rooted in Nashville, and and the city really wants to see it continue. So I don't well, it's have spinoffs. <laughs> it's all the spinoffs. It's almost like American Idol did, but but scripted, right? It's almost like a, a fictional version of that same. Now there's tours and there's concerts and there's all this other stuff. It's it's really uh, amazing, and I and I wonder if it won't serve as a template for other types of shows. Uh, Adam, you probably could easily spin up an Austin show, given that that's a, a huge music destination as well. Yeah, it's the NCIS of music. Yeah, could be. That'll be. That'll be it. Yeah. When, when we get to, into the fourth tier, though, it could be a little tricky. Some uh, some not as good music cities, but New Orleans could certainly do it. I guess they sort of had a show like that. 
uh, on HBO at one point. But uh, yeah, it's it's really special, and you guys did an amazing job, Katrina, working working with them and amplifying their stuff and them amplifying yours. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, we'll link up some of that stuff in the show notes as well, so that uh, listeners who go to socialpros.com, which I should tell you, is where all 219 Social Pros episodes are stored. Uh, you can listen to every show we've ever done and read every show we've ever done and get links to awesome stuff inside every show we've ever done. Go to socialpros.com. Uh, but I also want you to go to three other places I'm going to tell you about right now. First, uh, the American Funnel Cake Manufacturers Association sponsored the show. <laughs> Actually, not true, but that would be spectacular. And, I, and I'll bet you uh, Google... Google could tell me right now if there is, in fact, an American Funnel Cake Manufacturers Association. There probably is. Uh, I'm not going to check just now, but um, if any listeners out there discover some amazing funnel cake uh, trivia, please send it to Adam and myself. However, uh, Salesforce Marketing Cloud is a sponsor of the show. They also employ Adam Brown. Uh, they have some really excellent new software called Advertising Studio. It's at bit.ly slash advertising studio. That's bit.ly slash advertising studio. It's pretty slick, man. It makes uh, it possible for you to purchase and manage ads on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and the Google network all in one dashboard. That's right. Not having to log into five different things can log into one thing and keep all your paid media in social and beyond in one place. Pretty awesome. Check it out. Bitly slash advertising studio. Uh, also, a uh, show brought to you by Yext, the leaders in location data management. Uh, love those guys. Their technology is amazing. They're rolling out some new stuff I can't quite tell you about, uh, but it's pretty fantastic, including some stuff that I can tell you about, which is beacons and location. So you walk into your local retailer. They know you're there. They can send you some relevant information on your smartphone. Great stuff. So Yext has a free guide to how rich listings can help drive more business. And when I say rich listings, uh, I mean what comes up when you do a mobile search uh, or you get a mobile piece of content on Foursquare or Yelp or TripAdvisor, things like that. Uh, that's a big deal if you've got an actual storefront like the Grand Ole Opry does. Uh, go to offers.yext.com slash socialpros offers.yext.com slash socialpros for how rich listings drive more business. Last this week, our friends at Emma, uh, go to myemma.com slash jbear. That's me, myemma.com slash jbear, J-A-Y-B-A-E-R. They have an ebook called Your Brain on Email, The Science to Winning the Inbox. Your Brain on Email, The Science to Winning the Inbox, six really cool facts about the human brain and see how top brands are tapping into them to get brilliant results. Uh, I read this whole ebook. I, I sent an email about this ebook to my audience recently. Uh, it's really cool. Uh, Katrina actually manages email for Grand Ole Opry as well. This is right up her alley. Go to myemma.com slash jbear, J-A-Y-B-A-E-R for that. Katrina, I want to ask you the two questions that we ask every single guest on the Social Pros program. The first one is, and you can answer this question because you've been doing this a long time since you were right out of school, what one tip would you give somebody looking to become a social pro? Uh, the, the biggest thing that I have learned over the years and the thing that I think any business could um, benefit from is really knowing your audience across all channels and not assuming that your audience on Facebook is the same as your audience on Instagram and, and Snapchat because they're all very different in a lot of ways and they all want to consume content in different ways and, and that has been an ex a great learning process and, and just knowing what 
people want and and not just assuming what you think they might want um, because that that takes a lot of a lot of a lot of monitoring and listening listening is a huge thing um, finding out what, what what people are responding well to and just giving them more of that instead of just putting out what you want them to hear and and what you think that you know they might enjoy. Um, so definitely knowing your audience um, has been huge for us. And um, especially with such a, a passionate fan base like the Opry's, you know, knowing that there are fans of the more traditional country music in certain places. And then, you know, some of the younger people that are not as familiar with uh, some of the classics, but, you know, sharing content that would appeal to them, like, you know, a, a young up-and-coming artist that is singing a classic. So, you know, introducing new content to, to a demographic that may not have ever experienced that. Um, just that, that has been really a, a huge thing for us and, and a huge learning curve. But then as soon as we figured it out, it really has worked wonders for our engagement on all channels. I love it. That's such good advice and so true. And it is really easy to forget that. You just think, well, social media is homogenous. Uh, and of course, it's anything but. That's really a good tip. Uh, last question for you. Actually, I'm going I'm to give you one more. But the, the second question that we ask everybody, if you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be? That is also a tough one. Um, but I would probably, there are so many people that I would love to Skype with, um, but I think if I had to choose one, I would probably go with Ellen DeGeneres. Don't say, pa don't say Peyton because, Manning. Oh, no, no, no. no he, he would actually be a really, he'd probably be really fun to talk to, though. Um, but I'm sure that Adam probably might, he might be choosing Peyton Manning. Yeah, I I'm a little biased on that, that one. Question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you were going to Ellen DeGeneres was your answer. I'm sorry, I came off. Ellen DeGeneres. I think, yeah, Ellen would be, I just, I feel like she is extremely, not only would she keep me laughing the entire time, she is extremely smart when it comes to business and just what I was saying before, knowing her audience. I mean, she yeah. is a genius in my mind as as far as anything that goes out on her show and on her social channels. It's just, I mean, I can, everything that they, either her or her team sends out on Twitter or, or Instagram or wherever, it, you can just hear it in her voice. And I just, I, I love that so much. And I feel like that would be an extremely entertaining Skype call. Yeah, it's really a great point that that she never really says or does anything that you're like, oh, that's off message or that's off brand or that's that seems curious coming out of her mouth. Um, it's it's really true and and it's hard for celebrities to do that, especially somebody like her who's making so much content in so many different media forms that that to stay on tone uh, all the way across is is I mean it's a challenge for me and I'm certainly not making as much content as as Ellen is and, and certainly for a much smaller audience but but to, to kind of keep that 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 audience and that tone in mind all the time is uh, is harder than it appears she certainly makes it look easy uh, last yeah, question I, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say it also seems like you know if she does have people on her team helping her out it, it, it's hard to tell just because Everything sounds like it's in yeah. her voice. So yeah, they, they, they know how she how she would say it, which is yeah. which is key. Uh, I wanted to ask you, and I've never asked you this before. You've seen I don't even know how many 
episodes of the Opry, right? You don't go to every show because you'd be working like all the time, nights and weekends, and so you don't go to all of them. But you go to the you know big ones. What's the what's the best artist you've ever seen on the Opry? What was the one you're like, I can't believe I just saw it. Oh my goodness, that is a really really tough one. There are so many. I mean, Dolly Parton would be my go-to just because she. I literally have grown up listening to, watching her. Um, I'll just really quickly tell you a story about when I was a child growing up. My my mother always tells everyone that she couldn't get me to watch anything, like any cartoons or anything like that on TV. But as soon as the Dolly Parton show came on, I was glued to the television. So I don't know if that was foreshadowing or, or what it was, but um, I adore her. So just seeing her and her presence on stage, it was amazing. But there are so many awesome moments that you would never expect to happen that have happened on the Opry stage. Like just recently, Brad Paisley brought John Fogarty out for the very first time on the Opry stage. And this was like a couple of weeks ago. So those kinds of things that just basically, like it floors me to see those kinds of things happen. So, well, even um, even the night that we were there together, which was what like a month ago or something, when Vince Gill was on the show as he often is, he's a big, big um, proponent of the Opry, and and he sat down and sang this tribute that he wrote to Merle Haggard, who had passed away just a few days earlier. That was so incredibly, incredibly moving and just like remarkable. It just sent sent chills up and down up and down your spine. I mean, just stuff like that happens all the time. And and every night there's something special, which is what I think makes Grand Ole Opry such a unique American institution. Absolutely. You're right about that. It does happen um, quite a bit. And we have a lot of surprises that uh, happen that we don't even know about half the time. So it's great when we're actually present and able to capture that for yeah. social Except media. Except if you're and supposed to live stream and have a tripod set up and then you can't do it because you know what's going to happen. That's going to be annoying. You're like, oh, well, if I would have told me, I could have actually Snapchatted that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's... That's usually that is a challenge sometimes. When, do they rehearse? We, I mean, do they do it? Do they do like a run through and a sound check? I mean, do they do they rehearse before the show so that you actually kind of know what's going to happen, or do they just kind of they're all because they only do a couple songs each, right? That's the one thing I should mention for those who haven't done or been to the Grand Ole Opry. You know, it's not a full set, so they've got multiple artists in each concert, and each artist does two or yep. three songs. Um, and so, do they do like a full run through sound check in the afternoon? So they. Do not. Um, we have a, an Opry, like our house band, that are extremely, extremely talented musicians who will play with a lot of the artists if they don't bring their own bands with them. Um, so they come in, all the artists come in at different times throughout the night, and they'll, you know, have time set up that they sit in with the band backstage and they go through their songs and just kind of play them a couple times through backstage and then they go out and play them. And, and even these newer artists who come through and um, the band may not have ever or barely ever heard the songs, they literally run through them a couple times. They get the music the day before and they are, go out and, and really just kill it. So it's, there is no formal rehearsals of the Opry show. It's very much a in the moment live experience. So, um, it's, it's very impressive to see, and I'm, I'm always, I'm still, even after all these years, in awe of, of how it all comes together so well. It's kind of it's kind of good and bad for you, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's great that there aren't rehearsals because you get more spontaneous moments on stage, but it's challenging because you don't actually know what's going to happen some of the time, which is what makes it spontaneous. You, you can't sort of 
you know, sit in on sound check and rehearsal and say, okay, well, we're going to snap this and we're going to Snapchat this and we're going to make sure that this is on Instagram. Uh, you have to sort of run and experience it in, in real time. And you do that. I mean, I've seen you work a show. You're just like running all around the theater, like doing stuff and doing stuff in the crowd and on stage and behind the stage. And I mean, it's, it's a real in the moment kind of documentary style uh, affair. It absolutely is, and sometimes there are moments that an artist will bring out a surprise guest that no one knows about, you know, the management doesn't even know about, so, you know, a lot of times they'll give us a heads up that we, you know, need to be there for a moment like that, but um, then there are sometimes, like, when um, Garth Brooks and Trisha Sherwood just, like, showed up one day, um, they literally were not on the lineup, they, we had no idea, they told them the day of, they would love to come by and sing a song together, and they did just that, and I was luckily down front um, doing my normal thing and was able to capture all of that. So um, it's it's definitely a challenge, but it, it makes it fun. It keeps it interesting for sure. That's incredible. Well, I am so thankful to have the chance to work with Katrina and her team. Um, uh, my, my crew at Convince to Convert uh, does some stuff with uh, with Katrina and, and her folks and the Opry. Uh, we're so honored to be able to do that. And and I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. We didn't. This is something we did not plan because we do not rehearse social pros other otherwise, obviously. Uh, but Katrina, I am sure that you would love to have social pros listeners come out to the Grand Ole Opry and, and tweet up a storm and Instagram up a storm and all those kind of things. So if people who listen to the show who are social media-ites for whatever brand want to come to the Opry and see a show when they're in Nashville, how can they get a hold of you? Um, the best way to get a hold of us on social media would be um, to go to the, Opry, the Grand Ole Opry on Facebook. Um, and we are on Twitter and Instagram at Opry, um, but also if you want to just go to a show, um, Opry.com is the place to go to um, see who's coming up and, and what's happening. Um, that's definitely the best way to choose your show. Um, but we, like like you said, we're, we're there almost all the time, and if you send us a message on Facebook or Twitter or um, any of those channels, we will likely get that and respond to you, hopefully very quickly, because that is one of our goals, is to keep the response time down. So, so yeah, reach out to us on any of those channels. It'll either be myself or Matt, who is our social media manager, um, and we would love to hear from you for sure. Um, yeah, also, come, out, come out, see those guys, and they'll, uh, they'll 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 give you all the all the secrets, all the secrets of the yeah. Opry. And we're Opry Snaps on Snapchat for any of you who are on the Snapchat. Yeah, it's really fun. Opry Snaps is a really really good uh, feed. They're doing a really nice job with it. And and uh, as Katrina said, the artist takeover stuff is great. Uh, when you get all the behind the scenes stuff with uh, uh, you know in the dressing rooms and things like that at the Opry from from some of these country stars, it's pretty neat to see. Katrina, thanks so much for being on the show. Fantastic as expected. Congratulations to you and Matt and the whole team at Opry for all the cool stuff that you are doing. Adam, thanks as always to you. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back with another episode of Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media next week. Until then, I am Jay Baer from Convince and Convert. Thanks as always. Thanks for tuning in to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince & Convert, Emma, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext, and is produced by Convince & Convert Media. Find more great shows like Social Pros at marketingpodcasts.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts.
Podcast imaging by Audio.